0: The last few days, we've been bringing you stories that shed light on the experiences of new mothers here in Chicago. We've covered the barriers black mothers face in accessing quality maternal care, how immigrant parents navigate feelings of isolation. And today, we hear the story of LGBTQ plus parenthood. To tell us more, we are joined by Ellie Fishman, who reported the series The First 12 Weeks for WBEZ. It's up online at WBEZ.org. Also with us is Dr. Liz Glasgow, Executive Director of Innovations to Improve Maternal Outcomes in Illinois, and Medical Director of the UI Health Two-Generation Clinic. Now, Ellie, the final mother the first 12-week series looks at is Katie. Her partner is Savannah. How does their pregnancy journey
1: start? Katie and Savannah, who goes by Sav, are a queer couple, and their journey starts back in 2019 when they started planning to have their daughter, Parker, and they went through several rounds of IVF and IUIs and Katie told me that they spent upwards of $10,000 just on fertility treatments alone. Wow, And that's not cheap. It's not cheap and that's with good insurance. So
0: what are some of their biggest challenges then aside from cost?
1: Well, right. So there's cost, and then there's also parentage issues. So they actually both went through IVF, so they could each have a biological child. Carrie, uh, Katie, carried <laughs> Sav's egg. Okay. An embryo from one of Sav's eggs and a sperm donor, and in the future, Sav is hoping to carry a baby from one of Katie's eggs. And they want more children. And they want, yeah. And because of that, even though Sav is the biological parent of Parker, they do not have parental rights, which is crazy. What? So they had to hire a lawyer to secure those for Sav, which they did. Actually, they found out right around 12 weeks postpartum that Sav now has equal parental rights to their daughter, Parker. Doctor, a
0: good time to bring you back in here. Talk about the, the, the other hoops that LGBTQ plus uh, parents go through just trying to conceive.
2: Well, clearly, that's, that's a, an amazing story. I mean, this is a lot. Here. Yes. Yeah. That's a huge, well, the financial, the legal, the medical, and then in planning for their future babies. Yes, that's that's a lot. It's a good thing they're planners which they are,
1: <laughs> but
2: but what I what I will point out is that for many families, that's not an option. They don't have necessarily the financial or legal resources right. to have the type of family that they want and the children that they want. So that's the biggest challenge that I would see.
0: Katie had to take 12 weeks
1: of unpaid leave, right? Which yeah, is that's right. Absolutely ridiculous. But Is it common? I think it's very common. And that's because she was at her job for under a year. So you have to be at your same job for a year here in the United States to even qualify, I believe, for paid time off. There is FMLA. So that guarantees you or should guarantee you 12 unpaid weeks. But of course, talking about finances, that's not necessarily feasible Mm. for every family. But... One of the arcs of Katie's experience that I picked up on kind of early in the reporting was that back-to-work anxiety. She was the only one of the three moms who was going back to work after three months, and she was also struggling to breastfeed. Her daughter was never a good eater, and those two things were kind of intimately intertwined because that's something you really want to figure out before you go back to work. Yeah. And so as the weeks went on, her anxiety kind of rose steadily. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. And
0: actually, I want to dig into the, the breastfeeding issue separately in just a moment. But let's let's just focus on the fact that she took this unpaid leave, right, to, to, to care for the baby. What goes through your mind, Dr. Glasgow? And, and is there any recommended amount of time that parents should not be working postpartum?
2: Well, I think clearly that's an individual decision but as we've talked about today this whole time what keeps coming back is the desire to maybe stay home longer mm-hmm. but not being able to financially or having a position where you are have to come back after the 3 months so i don't i think every every family needs to make that decision on their own um what's recommended But for the most part, moms want to stay home and they want to stay home beyond the three months. Now, that's not every mom because some moms really miss out and feel like they want to be back in the workforce Mm -hmm. and um, that's best for them. But in general, we just don't have the systems in place to have moms have that opportunity to make that decision. Yeah.
0: Let's talk a bit more about uh, what postpartum care does look like for parents. Because well, I know for babies there are these touch points, right? You you go back at 2 months or 4 months and 6 months, etc. All I can remember from my experience was that 6 weeks and then, you know, a year later it was time for a, a pap smear. Exactly. Is there anything else?
2: <laughs> well, that's that's so common. That's the way it used to be. Yeah. It was a one touch and done. But now we know a lot better about how to care for postpartum women. And it's recommended that it's a series, it's not a certain touch point. It's an ongoing process you know, at least the first few weeks after you deliver a baby, and then again at 12 weeks. But really, for many moms who have existing mental health conditions or chronic conditions, they need a lot more touch points because those conditions could have been exacerbated by pregnancy. They could have emerged during pregnancy. And those are all things that need to be addressed. And we also want to make sure that Women are transitioning into primary care, so going from seeing an OB regularly to seeing someone, you know, in the primary care setting as well uh, to manage their chronic conditions. Whereas with babies, we know that um, it's recommended they be seen seven times for seven well-baby visits after delivery. So um, those really medical visits could coincide and do coincide together. One thing I'll mention as well is that for many moms in the U.S., they don't get the recommended care, not even the 12-week visit. And this is particularly the case for moms who are low-income and struggling financially. Mm-hmm. They don't get the recommended care, which in turn is what you know contributes to chronic disease. And can severe, it be dangerous? Yeah. It's very yeah. dangerous. It can contribute to severe maternal morbidity, um, and unfortunately, in some cases, mortality. And so one of the things that I think we recognize more and more is the importance that postpartum period is not just the first 12 weeks. It's the first 12 months after you deliver a baby. Right.
0: Absolutely. That should be the name of your next series, Yes, Ellie. Uh, let's go back to this this problem we talked about, uh, that that Katie, poor Katie and I share this. We, I had the same issue with my, my second daughter, breastfeeding. W- what was... Uh, Katie's issue with Parker specifically.
1: When Katie looked back on the early days of postpartum, she realized that Parker was never really a good eater. And, but of course, if you're a first time mom, you don't necessarily know what breastfeeding is supposed to look like, what anything's supposed to look like, mm-hmm. frankly. It's so much trial by fire. And, oh, you know, Parker she had trouble latching, she would get really fussy. And I think for Katie, it just made her feel like she was failing all the time. And you have this crying baby who can't tell you what's wrong. And it, it's this constant guessing game. And you're tired, mm-hmm. and you're healing. And you're trying to learn what it is to be a mother. And it it's It's so, 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 so hard. It is so hard. So what recommendations
0: do you have, doctor, for for moms experiencing that challenge right now?
2: Well, lactation consultation by far is the most helpful to really have a support system where someone who's trained in lactation can come in and help a mom figure out what's going on and maybe try some different things in latching. Yeah, um, I
0: tried that, but I don't think I... I think I could have t- tried it for longer. I just I sort of gave up and I just it's, went straight to formula. It's hard to keep going yeah, it, it was it was discouraging,
2: yeah, many moms do I think end up giving up or end up supplementing with formula when their intention really wasn't to do so in the first place. But we really need these systems um in the health care that do provide that ongoing support to moms, I think the other recommendation I would have for moms is to be gentle with themselves. Yes. This is normal. This is what it's like. There's so many things about parenting a new infant that uh, you, you want to do well, and all moms want to you know, do everything just right, and that's not really the reality. We need to be gracious with ourselves. There's no
0: perfect way to do this.
2: Exactly. There's many good ways to be a parent.
0: Looking back on all the work that you've done, Ellie, uh, for this first 12 weeks project, what are your biggest takeaways?
1: Well, I love what you just said. There's no one right way to be a mom. I think that's a really important message. Give yourself grace, be kind to yourself. And also one of the things that I found so powerful in those first 12 weeks, and I think was actually the seed of this project was just hearing from other people, Mm -hmm. checking in, saying, how are you doing? And it was this light bulb moment for me, like, oh, my gosh, you've been through this. And that was, and I didn't, yeah, I felt a little bit less alone. So I hope that this project can do that for other moms and other parents out there. We'll leave it there. Ellie
0: Fishman is the writer behind WBEZ's first 12-week series and the author of Refugee High, Coming of Age in America. Dr. Liz Glasgow is the executive director of Innovations to Improve Maternal Outcomes in Illinois and medical director of the UI Health Two-Generation Clinic. You can read more of the first 12-week series on WBEZ's website. That's WBEZ.org. Thank you, ladies.
2: Thank you. Thank you. you.
0: This episode of Reset was produced by Micah Yason, and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather and Meha Ahmed. If you enjoyed this mini-series, make sure you're subscribed to our podcast so that you never miss one. Plus, you can go back in our archive to hear other series like Bias Against Bodies that explores what we get wrong about fitness and health. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you this afternoon.